0: My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Donna Stoney at her office in Gresham. It's August 16, 2019. Thanks so much for joining us today, Donna. We really appreciate this. Um, Let's start with the most important question, why we're here, which is why wine?
1: Why wine? Well, actually, I have always enjoyed wine. It's really weird and kind of strange that I liked wine when I was in college and enjoyed Merlot which most time people don't really get into that type of wine until they're a little older. I was in my 20s but I really enjoyed um, Merlot and I know it's just kind of died out you know but hopefully it'll come back someday (laughs) so I don't drink that anymore so (laughs) so that's why you know Mm I I just enjoy it.
0: So let's talk about your uh, life before becoming a winemaker here. So talk about what uh, what your, your career and, and, uh, and sort of the things you've done here. And well, social service
1: has been my life. Honestly, I have two passions in my life. Well, I'm going to say three. One is my family. Always, always. Social service has been my passion, and wine has always been my passion. I've been in the field now. I'm going to date myself. Probably about 38 years. Um, started out working with... Um, wife and child abuse, Mm -hmm. and then went on to intellectual and developmental disability after that. Mm -hmm. So, became the first uh, African American case manager at Multnomah County Developmental Disability Office. That was in 1978, I started on Halloween what a way to start your <laughs> social service career. And so I um, just have done that for years and years out there, you know, trying to improve people's quality of life with intellectual and developmental disability. I think that most time people tend to shy back a little bit because of people with intellectual, you know, d- disability, but the thing about it is is this is that they're not hard to get along with. You just have to be patient, kind of like wine. They both kind of intertwine together. And um you know i just have just enjoyed it mm-hmm. you know and then i retired after 27 years with the county and decided to actually i was working doing stony brook residential services at the same time i was working at the county um, because an individual needed some attention i mean really care that um, was very difficult with her challenging behaviors mm-hmm. she had prada Willie syndrome i don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of that that affects the chromosome 15, where they eat and eat and feel full. Mm -hmm. And so I had a good relationship with her and her mom. And I said, you know, a bunch of folks around the table, um, state, county, and I said, let me try this. I think I can help this young lady. I think that um, because I I got a passion for Prada Willie, I started it back in 1982 in San Diego, went to um, a job there at a group home and just really Enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm connected with Florida. Um, so I'm just really involved with Prada-Willison. So I took her on. She's been, she's with me for 12 years and now I have moved on with her family. Mm-hmm. Did very well. afterwards. she lost about hundred and something pounds. Wow. So um, then I said, I said, Donna, will you grow And I said, no, I don't want to grow because I'm like semi-retired. It's <laughs> not supposed to grow. And I said, okay, I'll try it. And so here I am. I have um, five homes now. Um, people with, of course, different walks of life. So it would be autism, mental health, um, and Prada-Willi syndrome right now. So that's what I'm doing. I don't think I want to do any (laughs) more. Although they've asked me and I just said at this point I want to do wine now because that's my second career. So
0: here I am. What got you interested in social services in the first place? What made you want to enter the industry? well i think social service has always been a passion of
1: my uh in my heart i mean candy strike most kids do that um and just uh, my sister who passed away i would say probably about 19 years ago she actually entered she was teacher aide and took me into a classroom in houston texas because i'm a native texan mm-hmm. and uh she took me to a classroom and said hey i want you to come with me today because i was busy and i said oh where are you going i want you to see some folks with uh, disability and I was like, oh, I'm really scared, no, I can't do this, I can't do this. She took me in and I just fell in love with it. And ever since then, that probably was, I'm sure, maybe 40 years ago, yeah, because I was still in high school, so, hmm So yeah, so here I am, enjoying it, still doing it. I probably will, people laugh at me because they say, well, aren't you ever gonna retire? I say, probably not, I'll have one foot in the grave and one hanging out and then
0: you can fire me after that, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see how it goes <laughs>
0: yes you mentioned kind of the case that brought, kind of brought you back into the into this is there are there other kind of um sort of powerful memories you have of of differences you've made people you've helped uh, think as you look back kind of of the social part of your social work part of your career things that stick out to you as
1: yeah well I think monumental. I just just take one person at a time mm-hmm. I started out um the first as i said i think i don't know if i mentioned that the first african-american mm-hmm. um, at the county and i remember having i never forget this i walked in on the first day and they said you have 448 people on your caseload oh, and i was like okay i really only have like two years experience and you want me to take on this big caseload yeah here you go i had all these files in the room and i thought jeez what am i going to do at the time specialized now at the time it was kids uh, you did protective service mm-hmm. you I mean you did everything you was just the band-aid fixer everywhere you can and um, now before I left I think the case loads went down to about 85 so 448 to 85 was a big and I think for me is is that and I don't like the stereotype or anything like that um, but I think for me I think the reason why I was the first African American because the community, the Providers were all in northeast Portland and were struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, they were either afraid of people coming in mm-hmm. and talking with them. Uh, I don't want those white people coming in my home. I'm very, you know, scared of them. I don't know why they're doing this to me. Da, da, da. And I go in and just say, No, you know, you don't need to do that. Just relax. And so I went in and tried to do the best I could to go in and, and get them to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what color they are, get comfortable because mm-hmm. this is, changes. Mm-hmm. We have to be, you know, have changes. And then when things came to me, I would take it back to the county and say, this is what we need to do in order to make people's lives better and to work with them and have confidence in us. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just went on and on and on. And then eventually I remember the head person there at DHS is Alenzo Poe. Mm-hmm. He came in, an African-American. I was like, wow, I got a black boss. This is cool. <laughs> I mean, he's the big guy. And so uh he eventually bought more folks in of color, which was great, because it was needed, it was needed. So, um, and I think for me, even when the wine industry, I see that when I watched the red, white and black uh, with Bertone, you know, I was like, man, this is like really cool. I didn't realize, because I'm here thinking that all walks of life color was all involved. I had no idea
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it was more, you um, the white stereotype, Mm -hmm. like they say. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's probably one reason why I'm excited about doing this, bringing more inclusion. Sure, absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. So let's talk about that. So you mentioned a passion for wine that's kind of lifelong. So Mm -hmm. what made you decide to take that passion and turn it into actually making your own wine?
1: Well, I think what this is After I got out of college, I remember talking to a provider, a foster care provider, and she was, I talked about wine. I said, oh my God, someday I want to have my own winery and I want to make my own wine. I'm just so excited about that. But right now I'm just, I was like 23 or 24 or something like that. And I said, right now I just got to save money. That's the biggest thing because my parents always taught me to save money. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's just going to take some time, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And so she said, oh, you know what? I have a guy that is, you know, he does his own wine, he makes his own wine in his basement. And I was like, oh my God, I really wanna see that cause I've never seen that before. I, can I, can I? And she was like, yeah, you can come with me. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna go with her. We went to his house, it was in Northeast Portland. And uh, I would never forget, I mean, he had wine bottles everywhere all over and I wish I could remember his name, but I, I can't remember his name. And he had this big white garbage can with the grapes in there and it was fermenting at the time. And he was talking about the process, you know, the yeast and, you know, you have to make sure that the skin is, you got to get this out, you know, so that you can make sure that the skin is going right and not, you know, mixing. Anyway, he was talking to me all about that and he, and I said, well, why aren't you doing this? And he was like, oh, it's a hobby. And so that's what I said, Mm -hmm. oh, I'll just make this my hobby Mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. I'll just make it my hobby. He said, yeah, because I said, but you're good and your wine is good. Why are you not doing this? And again, I'm 23. He was probably at his 50s, you know, so he's probably been doing it a long time. And he says, well, because it's a hobby, I don't want to have to continue to work. And make wine for other people. When I can just give you a bottle, and here you go, and you know, and you tell me what it tastes like, and we go from there. <laughs> so I said, well, that's kind of fun. I, I can imagine that. So that was back, I think it was 1992, mm-hmm. when uh, I was talking with him and said I want to do this. So I just kept saving money, saving money, saving my money, because I said someday, someday. And then about 16 years ago, I was my family was visiting, and I said, I, there's this winery that's for sale, a vineyard for sale in uh, Malala. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name of it either. H. (laughs) And so (laughs) I said, uh, let's go out and see it. So we went out there. Evidently something went wrong with the winemaker Mm -hmm. that something happened, I don't know. I don't even want to say, but it didn't go well. But evidently, I remember going inside the vineyard and seeing all these, he had lots of metals. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were. And maybe they were, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago. I don't know if they were giving numbers back then, 90s. and Mm -hmm. Well, he had just medals everywhere. I guess he was really good, and it just went south. I don't know what happened. But um, at any rate, I was like, I said, oh, what are they selling it for? And they told me, oh, it's about a million dollars. And I was like, (laughs) 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 okay. (laughs) And then they said uh, the biggest thing that I was concerned about, of course, was the money and then just thinking to myself well I was afraid that the brand was already bad and mm-hmm. then I was going to start out and it was going to be bad for me. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of walked away from it and still in the back of my mind saying I really want to make this happen. I really I want to keep saving your money. My dad kept telling me save your money, save your money, save your money, keep saving your money and in the meantime you know that's what I was doing at the county putting in a divert comp and just saving it and saving it. So then, I think about maybe three, maybe two years ago, I decided to go back to school um, with WSAT, Wine mm-hmm. Spirit, and Education. And um, I was, took the online class in Napa and did really well. I passed the class with Flying Colors. And then I was talking to a young lady at Thelonious, you know, downtown mm-hmm. Portland, and she was, I was talking to her and I said, I'm so excited about it going to school, I have this level two, that's my next step, and I'm really nervous. And she said, uh, oh no, you'll be okay. She said, I said, I have to go to nap and take it online. And I, she said, no, 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 they have classes here. See, I didn't even know that. I had no idea. Cause again, you're talking social service. I wasn't involved in the wine industry. Mm-hmm. As I'm, you know, involving myself now, I'm learning more and more and more. And so she said, no, you can take your classes here. And so I did, took the class, I passed. There's my certificate over there. However, I did not pass with merit, so that bothered me. <laughs> so it's hard. It is very hard. People think that this is oh, you're just getting in there, you're just learning about this, and you learn. No, it's hard. So my next step, next spring, is to start level three. Now, had I known you had a college, you had courses there, I probably would have went to school because I would rather go to school and take it slow. These are like quick classes, and you're learning a lot in your brain. I'm not young. <laughs> So you're learning a lot, you're learning a lot, and you have to catch on because it's a nine week course. Mm-hmm. So level three is that's what I'm heading for in the spring. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, um, I know we haven't talked much about uh, Bertoni, but I asked him, could I just spend a whole year with him starting in harvest? Because mm-hmm. last year when I went out, I was doing the pruning time. Mm-hmm. And so I want to go through the whole process before I get to class mm-hmm. level three to really understand vital culture and, and whatnot. So sure. yeah. sure
0: so as you decided you you got your education what what made you decide that you were actually going to put your name on a bottle of wine you're actually going to make wine that was that was yours well i wanted to do that a long time ago (laughs) when i was tasting that (laughs) miracle i wanted to do that a long time ago
1: but this time i was i went out uh, one of my good friends who worked at the county she said oh my god i said i still want to make my own wine but i don't know how to go about this this is you know, people don't know me. Everybody know me here in the state of Oregon in terms of social services. If you go to anyone, they know Donna Stoney. But no one knows me, I don't even know how to do. She said, oh my goodness, I just saw this ad, this, I don't know, post or something like that about this first African-American winemaker. I said, that's not such thing. There's no way there's an African-American winemaker. She said, yes, it is. So she, you know, go online, look this guy up. So I looked him up, for Tony, uh, Foster, and I looked it up and said, oh my God, he really is. This is cool. So. She said but let me tell you the kicker. I said what's that? She said they said he's really hard to get a hold of and you will never be able to get a hold of him. And I said really? Well I love challenges. I said okay. So what I did I went out to Abbey Creek and I said I've never been out here. This is really far. So I went out there and um, He was serving wine at the time in his tasting room, and I said, uh, hi, I'm Donna Stoney, and told him what I wanted to do. I enjoyed wine and wanted to buy a vineyard and don't know how to do that, and wanted to make my own wine. And he was like, oh, really? And I said, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Whoops. Sorry. Okay, You're going to edit me. That's that's okay. (laughs) And so uh, he said, oh, really? I said, yes. And so I just kept talking, and I kept showing my face every Every week, I was like, okay, I'm coming out here. I'm not gonna run away. (laughs) And I know that's what you think I'm gonna do. And I told him what I want to do. I want to become a winemaker. And he said, really? And I said, yes, I do. But he was very open. But I think he had to just kind of, you know, see where I was going and was I really serious. I told him I was in class and trying to make uh, history, you know, trying to do what I can to follow my dreams. Mm and then we just kept talking 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 and then all of a sudden i said well i don't have a vineyard and i said what do you think and he said well you don't need a vineyard to wow again this is new to me (laughs) you don't need a vineyard to to start your own brand and i said i don't he said no you can just buy grapes so he has done a lot of educating with me and taking the time out and i really do appreciate him so much for doing that because he could have just said lady get out of here get out, I won't talk about what you're trying to do. But he did not he took the time out. Maybe because I kept showing my face and I kept talking to him and saying what I'm trying to do. And so I just purchased my grapes from there and the rest is history, here we are. So
0: what did he tell you about his, as soon as you got to know each other, he started mm-hmm. to kind of open mm-hmm. up about his path. What did, he, what did he tell you about his path as a winemaker in Oregon and his kind of, and obviously you talked about red, white and black earlier. Mm-hmm. What did he mm-hmm. tell you about?
1: Well, he told me that it can be very tough the industry is very tough but he said you can pave the way you can pave the way um you know once you get the experience and understand what winemaking is all about understand how the industry work um it can be tough don't think that you're just going to step in here and think that it's going to go pretty smooth and that it's going to be okay which i you know, being my, my own uh, business owner, I always kind of figured that. I mean, nothing's easy. Even when I started this, this was hard, mm-hmm. and becoming, you know, like I said, a case manager, that was hard. Everything is hard, but it's a challenge. And I just said, okay, well, because I, I uh, enjoy talking to people. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable talking to people. I just figure, you know, I'm just gonna go out and start doing tastings, and I'm just gonna put myself out there. At the time, I didn't think winemaking. I just thought, oh, I wanna start up my own tasting room. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to do. And so I just started talking to people, going to different wine uh, tasting, and going to different, like I went to, what is that place where the big plane is? Evergreen. Mm-hmm. They had a big function mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Talked to a bunch of winemakers. They all were very open. I, but again, I didn't say I was going to be a winemaker. I just said I want my own tasting room. So, so I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. So, um, but everybody was like, you know, you're that's good. You're doing this. That's so wonderful. Get yourself out there. You know, Tony also said, get yourself out there. Start talking. I want you on some panels someday. That's what he told me, and I was like, oh, really? Panels? You no. Know, he's like, yeah. I yeah, because yeah, I want you to tell your story. You know, you have a very interesting story. So he's been very supportive, I have to say. He's he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, he gets serious and I get serious and it's like, okay, okay. He's like, okay, I learned this in class. Well, let me tell you what you need to do here, though. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. He says, class is okay for you, but, you know, that wasn't for me. I went in and he says, that was it, and I walked out. He said, but for you, I understand why you, you wanna do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanna learn from the beginning, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. just keep going. So my goal is to be a sommelier. I know it's not very many, mm-hmm. and I know that it's a hard goal in this second part of my life, but my mom, she was a big educator. My sister, she's a, a doctor for a doctorate at uh, Kansas State, mm-hmm. Dr. Stoney. So we all been educators, so that's one reason why I just don't want to just you know have somebody teach me. I want to learn mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the more knowledge you have, the more you can make better wine. Mm-hmm.
0: So tell me about your your first process making wine and and what it was like going through. What maybe what the surprises were along the way.
1: Well, it was really it was really nerve wracking, honestly, because I didn't know what I was doing. Tony let me actually put the yeast in the in the must, and uh, he had me, you know, push it down and do all that and whatnot. So I think for me, because Tony is right there by my side, I'm ready to sort of do it on my own. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think until I can feel that I can do it on my own without having him, because he said in a year or two, you're gonna be on your own. You're not gonna be here by my side. Uh, I'm not gonna be here. So I'm watching everything he does. I mean, everything he's doing, he's teaching me. So here's what I'm doing now. So this weekend, because I said, I want to learn this process by myself and just watching him make the wine, because he does most of the work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm not there every day. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'm there every day and I'm looking at him watching it and doing this and watching the fermentation and all that's happening. I'm going there testing it and taste. I'm not there every day. I'm not gonna sit here and say that. So I decided to get my own little kid. And so this weekend in my own home, Because I have a little basement area that Mm -hmm. I can do it in, as I said, 1992 with that guy. He showed me the process, and so I'm going to make a rosé this weekend. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what's going to happen. I've been watching enough YouTube to understand it. I've been watching Tony to understand it. I'm just going to try the process. And here's the kicker, is that if I screw it up, it's on me. But doesn't that make you a better winemaker? There's no way you're going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And not every year the wine is going to be the same, mm-hmm. so people always think that, but that's not true. You know, it, it all depends on Mother Nature and how she's working out there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know how things are going. So it's like I'm going to try it and see if I'm accepting. Then I'm going to take it to Tony and say, "Okay, what you think? What did I do wrong? How is it tasting?" And, what? and see, he doesn't know that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know I'm on my own this weekend, but I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. You know, so.
0: It's exciting. I'm,
1: are you kidding? I'm so excited I don't even know what to do with myself. I, uh, it's like, oh, I'm nervous. I got my kit in. You know how you can get it on Amazon or whatever, and it's a vintner mm-hmm. kit. And I was like, oh, my God, I got my juice. Oh, I shouldn't say this, but maybe I will. I got the juice from Napa. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you why I did that. Because I want to, because of all the soil and how every where you go is different. Mm -hmm. I so want to see what it's like in Napa Valley because that's where I really want to be, Napa Mm -hmm. Valley. And so um, I want to really try to see what's the difference between their wine and our wine. Mm -hmm. I really do. Next year, my goal is to go to Italy and spend a couple of months there for the harvest. Mm -hmm. I just want to see the world right
0: now, second part of my life. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So we've talk, obviously talked about Bertoni as, as the first uh, black winemaker in mm-hmm. Oregon, as, mm-hmm. near as, tell, mm-hmm. as near as we can tell. As near as we can tell, that makes you the black, first black female winemaker in mm-hmm. Oregon. So, mm-hmm. what does it mean to you to, to, for that? To have that kind of status as, as the first something again? Yeah. Your first career, mm-hmm. you're, you were the first, and then now you're the first again. So, what, what kind? Of, what does it mean to you?
1: Well, I think I'm still kind of not really believing it. <laughs> because uh, when I hear people say it, I was like, no, no, you sure, you sure? Y'all better really look this up and make sure. <laughs> I don't want nobody saying, no, she's not. It's exciting to me. It's uh, leaving a legacy for somebody 50 years from now, looking back in the books and saying, wow, these two, Bertoni and Donna Stoney here, the first African-American winemakers, it's crazy. That's not even heard of. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, yet scary. Um, I, I want people to know that it's, for me, it's really not about being black. It's about leaving a legacy, and people enjoying my wine, and and just feeling at ease and comfort. Um, but I think it's the it's just the neatest thing ever. I think I'm still in awe right now. <laughs> I just can't even believe it. And so as time go on, maybe I'll feel a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to see. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned it being scary. Is, is, is some of that scary? Do you feel like like a responsibility or added pressure is kind of the first to do something?
1: Uh, no, I don't really feel pressure at all. I think it's just, uh, I think given my age, if I was still in my 20s, <laughs> probably would be nerve-wracking. But because I'm older and I've experienced so much in life, um, I experienced things that, um, you know, that where people have been, didn't like me for who I am because the color of my skin, you know, or I experienced things just because you think they all used to always tell me. I remember a case that I had that was really, um, the mom was pretty intense. She was pretty intense. And I remember her throwing something at me saying, you, they think they send the best out here because that's what I would get the hardest cases because I could just, I don't know. I think it's a given, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, from the universe and our higher power that I have a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And so I remember her uh, throwing all these papers at me and saying, they think they send the cream of the crop, you know, but I'm going to break you down. And she didn't because I thought, okay, this is a challenge in my head. I'm going, okay, this is a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) This is a challenge for me. So we end up being fine. You know, after years of, you know, sitting there with her and talking with her and understanding her child's disability, understanding her needs, we end up being fine. Mm-hmm. I would think that's the same way with wine. Once again, I know that it doesn't sound like they're intertwining together because they're two different things, but I feel like they are. It's a matter of being patient and waiting for that wine. Like I know that I'm going to do this rosé and I know that I can't rush it, just like I know I couldn't rush someone's quality of life. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to process. Mm-hmm. And... Um, My goal is, like I said, is to have, I wanna get that 90 something Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: on one of my wine bottles. Mm -hmm. That's my goal to me, is to get that 98, whatever it is, I wanna get it. And it's a challenge, but you know what? I believe in myself and I think that's what it's about. If you can believe in yourself and believe in what you do, Mm -hmm. I think you'll be okay. And of course with support, gotta have that support. Mm -hmm.
0: So, what kind of wine have you made so far for your label and what are you <laughs> kind of hoping for the, in the future with, uh, to, to produce?
1: Well, I've made a Chardonnay, a Pinot Noir, and I love, because it's rosé, as you know. Mm-hmm. I would like to make a Champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, Riesling seem to be a big thing, too. I, I like that. A Cabernet, even though I know it's not around right now, but it's starting to come up. Mm-hmm. starting to come up. Um... A petite Syrah, I like that. I think that'll be pretty cool to make. I think anything that come at me, and the more I explore other countries and, you know, bit like I want to visit Africa, Spain, those are the ones. Italy, Africa, France, and Spain are the ones that I really want to go to. I really want to see what it's all about and, and you know, what they do to make wine so well. and
0: People like it. So we'll
1: see, you know.
0: You mentioned, you mentioned the goal of, of, a, of, a, of a high score on one of your wines. What do, you, mm-hmm. what do you kind of hope consumers take away from your wine? What do you hope a consumer who buys your wine gets out of the experience?
1: That they have tasted this wine and they've gotten it and just enjoyed, you know, the comfort of feeling at ease because that's just who I am. Um, like my name, Stony Brook here with my residential services, is all about being serene and calm. <laughs> like life has to be... Mm-hmm. Just serene and calm no matter what and that's what I'm hoping that they'll enjoy the taste that they can feel at comfort, whether they're at home, whether they are out at the beach, mm-hmm. whether they're just sitting at a vineyard somewhere, maybe my vineyard someday, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just enjoying life mm-hmm. and taking just one day at a time. We, in our society, we rush, we rush, we rush, we rush, all the time and I'm always telling people slow down, what's the, what's the rush? Rush. Again, wine. <laughs> same thing, same concept. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And uh, we understand that uh, some of the proceeds from your wine are going to go back to support causes you believe in. So tell me a little bit about that as well.
1: So intellectual, developmental disability, our biggest thing that I think that we have, we struggle with in our society is just our caregivers mm-hmm. are the ones that are here to take care of our individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think What I would like to do is just education, Mm -hmm. continue to educate them um, so that we have such a turnover, Mm -hmm. such a turnover in in, uh, working in our group homes. Mm -hmm. And and it's because one, the pay isn't really that well, even though I know the legislature is trying to do something about that. And I think that we need people with education Mm -hmm. to get the job done. Mm and to help understand people when they are having a bad day and they just don't know how to deal with it, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what I want this, the proceeds to go for, Mm -hmm. because I can support my own um, business, Stony Brook with other things, but I think education is the key. Mm -hmm. Like my goal is this October is to send um, five, I don't know, four of my staff to uh, the Prada Willie convention Mm -hmm. in Florida Mm -hmm. and uh, I would like to send them all and they're like going wow that would be so exciting because sometimes they don't understand that you know walking in here with some coffee and my cup walk it's not wine (laughs) it's coffee um walking in here with food um i see them walking in with food and i say you need to go and put that away Mm -hmm. because they're and hungry mm-hmm. no matter what mm-hmm. and so i said sub- i want to send you guys to the conference so you can understand mm-hmm. what these parents are going through feel what the residents are going through and uh, you know you'll understand when you come back and you come in here with that sandwich that wow and i'm sitting there eating in front of him knowing that he's starving 24 7. Mm-hmm. they sleep and they're thinking mm-hmm. i'm hungry i'm hungry i'm hungry i'm hungry and that's all they're thinking about and so um, I try to train them as much as I can, but usually when you go to a conference mm-hmm. and you hear those folks and those parents talking, mm-hmm. it, you know it hits you right in the heart and you're saying, okay, I'm going to think about this a little bit more before I actually go out there and do that. Mm-hmm. And of course, I've trained my staff very well. They know if they see me, if they even see that, they are like, oh ton is coming, you know. They know, they know now to put everything away in the kitchen, all our kitchens are locked, because mm-hmm. they have to be, mm-hmm. you know, because if they don't, they'll go in there, they'll steal everything and eat everything and they'll figure out a way to open up that can, even if it doesn't, even if they don't have a can opener, they'll figure it out, mm-hmm. they'll figure it out, so. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I want to do is continue to support Prada Willie, continue to support autism, continue to support um, people with uh, mental health, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm that's my goal.
0: No boy, I like that, that's, that's excellent.
1: Mm, thank you.
0: So you're, you're still pretty new to the industry of course, so mm-hmm. um, what are your kind of hopes for the Oregon wine industry and for your part in it as you look ahead? Well I'm hoping that,
1: you know, inclusion, diversity, um, can change people's thoughts yeah. and be acceptable, it doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. you know, um, or who you are, LGBT, you know, Um, When I look at the young lady, I don't remember her name, but I know she's with Remy. I've seen on the, Mm -hmm. I I watch her all the time. Like I look at her YouTube's Mm -hmm. and her, I follow her. I just think it's so cool that she, you know, got up there and spoke and talk about who she is and what she's trying to do to pave the way. She's not only paving the way for uh, the LGBT community, but just women in general, Mm -hmm. women in general. And that's what I want to do is just pave the way for women in general. You know, and uh, so that we can start seeing more and more and more. Whether you're young, you know, uh, person of color, Mm -hmm. just getting out there and putting yourself out there so that you can pave the way for the next person coming along. Mm
0: And what about as you look ahead for your for yourself and your business? When you say five ten years down the road, what do you want Stony Wines to look like at, at that point?
1: Well, I would like to have a tasting room. Um, I have a concept of a tasting room. I can't really talk about it because the attorney tells me not to talk <laughs> about it. But uh, I have a I have a really cool concept for this. I already did a business plan for it. So my hopes are, in a couple of years, I would be able to do this. Maybe depends. Investors are really what I'm looking for at this point, and so. Um, to bring this concept to a realization for me. Mm -hmm. Because the whole, I'll say again, I'm very calm and, you know, kind of put together. Even when people make me mad, I still kind of keep the face and go, okay, (laughs) we can make this work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we can. You know, so that's my biggest goal. I don't think honestly I'm gonna do a vineyard because I think, Tony always says, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it is. I've seen him out there, and, and how hard he works. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even visited any of the other vineyards, so I can't even imagine. I, but again, YouTube shows you everything. <laughs> so That's true. Uh, it's hard work, it's hard work. And um, I think for me, the tasting room is where I wanna, mm-hmm. I'm heading for right now.
0: And what do you see as you look ahead for Oregon wine in general? Like what do you see the, the industry looking like, uh, say again, five, 10 years down the road? I think
1: you're gonna see more of me, I think you're gonna see more of women. Mm-hmm. I think you're gonna see more of uh, just a lot of diversity and inclusion. Because mm-hmm. I believe that it's opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gonna take some time. It's no different than when I worked for the county. Mm-hmm. It, it, it Eventually, and it does, you see it a lot now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a native Texan. So where I lived, because um, when I came here, honestly, if I had to be honest, I mean, I was like, where are all the black people? <laughs> where are all the black people? I had no idea when I came here, uh, because again, and I lived in Corpus Christi, Hispanic mm-hmm. and African-American. And then in Houston, you go to Houston, I mean, you'd be in these big corporations and all that. That's all you see. Mm-hmm. You go to Atlanta. That's all you see. And so when I came here, I remember my my dad um, was transferred here from Reynolds Metal Company out here in Troutdale, and he came and I was like, I don't think I like it here. <laughs> I need to go home. I need to go home. And I was in college at the time, so I would come back. Wasn't No, I don't want to. So I, I finished college, came back in, and then I moved to California because I just couldn't. It was like this is the diversity here is just different for me, and I don't think I can handle it. But then I moved to California and. And that was a little different, and then I decided to come back, and just here I am. So I just said, well, I need to just accept it. This is where my family is. You know, and when my family visits from Texas, that's the first thing they say is, where are all the black people? And it's like, well, we gentrified. So they're everywhere. <laughs> just look around. They're everywhere, you know. You'll be okay. Come on. You'll be okay. So now they come in, and they're fine. <laughs> it's everywhere. so
0: at any rate. That's awesome. (laughs) So as someone who's just getting into the industry, what would your words of wisdom be for someone else who wanted to join the Oregon wine industry today?
1: I think, because this is just the beginning phase for me, I think just get yourself out there and talk to folks. People seem to be very open like I said. Um, I think that as long as you're a talker and you can just explain what you're trying to do, and see if you can get some support. I think it'll be okay. I really do. I'm gonna dig into it a little more, and then I'll let you know in a year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see.
0: So all the questions that I have for you today, is there anything I should have asked that I didn't, anything we didn't talk about that we should have talked about?
1: Um, I think at this point, I'm excited about you know joining the industry and hoping that people will um, come up to me and recognize who I am, and talk to me, and mm-hmm. and give me support when I ask, and answer my questions when I do have questions. I'm not shy about asking, <laughs> so hopefully maybe people will be more open to, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping me reach this dream because I really want to reach this dream. Mm-hmm. Yes, Excellent. it's important. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us today, you. chatting with us, and Thanks. answering our questions yeah. and uh, We'll look forward to watching you uh, succeed.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you all coming out. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.